Emergency services. Please, you gotta help me. There's this weird guy. Ma'am. Please. Ma'am, call us when you're dead. What the fuck? Welcome back, callers, to another episode of Call Us When You're Dead. I'm Keith. And I'm Ryan. And on today's episode, we are doing a two-parter. Ooh, I love two-parters. Right. I started with one, and I felt that it was not going to be... Quite enough. Quite enough. And I don't know, at the end, you'll see why we turn this into a two-party. 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 Two-parter. Party of two. Your table is now ready. (laughs) But before we get into that, what's going on with you? Um, I did get the things mailed out today. Well, that's good. Right, because I didn't fail on that for a second week ago. <laughs> Sorry about that again. I, I'm sure I'm sure the callers will, will understand. Oh yeah, I'm sure they do. But at the same time, like I was more of disappointed in myself because I was like I knew they needed to get done. I knew I I knew, like, I had to grab everything, and I just kept dropping that ball. And sometimes balls get dropped. We are not in season one anymore. <laughs> we don't get to drop the ball. I mean, worst case scenario, our winners may have forgotten that they are getting these these letters. No, and then I don't. Think one they day forget. it will it'll show up in the week. Oh, sweet! I got a present. No, I don't think people forget. I think what happens is they go. Those assholes. I was promised something, and they didn't deliver. Well, we delivered. I yeah, mean, we did. we're not going to deliver. I'm sure the postal man will deliver. Right. I would like to know, though, have you been rolling around with the dog? I mean, it probably looks like that. Because your hair, your shirt is covered in more hair than Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, this shirt just attracts hair. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I know. So... On that note, I we are we are in the process of ordering shirts and stuff like that. Please understand that it will probably be near the end of July because we are looking into different places to go through. At this point, the place that we went through before, we we're just not really happy with the quality of the shirts that we got through them. Like I was kind of talking about here, like it really holds just hair and all of that. So we we want to make sure that it looks good for those winners. Just like we said, be patient. Yes, and we winners, will, please be We will patient. be get there. Ooh, but I do have a funny story. I haven't told you this yet. Oh, okay. Tell me a funny. Okay. So Friday, I'm going into work. And typically you take me to work on Fridays. But we, I, you know, I just didn't want to go out afterwards. And, you know, it is what it is. Yep. So I stopped to the gas station and this gentleman opens the door for me. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Like, I'm just kind of out of it. It's three in the morning. You know, so on the way out, because the gas station that I went to, you can do like the person helps you or you can just scan your stuff and go like, that's awesome. I love that because that way I don't have to talk with anybody at 3.30 in the morning because I don't like myself at 3.30 in the morning, let alone (laughs) anybody else. So I'm headed out and the guy opens the door for me again and he goes, does this mean we're dating now? And I go, uh, my husband might get real pissed about that. <laughs> his window is cracked, like, down, and his wife yells at him and is like, God 
damn it, I told you to stop flirting with every man that you walk by. Just because it's June doesn't mean you can flirt with men. Oh, God. That's He's ridiculous. laughing. I'm laughing. She's starting to laugh. I. It, he was very much a straight man. And it was just hilarious to me that, like, he thought he was going to get my number because he opened the door for me. I am not a cheap bitch. You got to wine and dine this hoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, I got I guess happy pride month. Yeah, happy pride. We're we're not one of we're not those people that are going to post Change our... rainbow fucking everything. It's Wait, it's rainbow su- everything every fucking day of the year for us. So Especially in this household, you either support it or you don't like Right. Uh, we're even, not changing who we are. I even made a post that I was like, "Oh, here comes the obligatory, you know, Yep, I'm the one down month with the gay. The one month out of the year, We're every okay with business that. in the world all of a sudden finds a rainbow something. On a more serious note, I know that we have not publicly come out and talked about it at all, but we did post it on the Facebook. Our deepest sympathy is truly with the families down in Texas. Um, we know that's hard. We understand that that is hard for even some of you listeners to see. I know it's hard for me to hear stuff and see stuff about it, and I know it's been a couple of weeks, but I I don't want us to, I don't want it to look like we're not addressing it because we did on the Facebook site, but not everybody is on that. Correct. And, and I wanted it to be an appropriate amount of time and not, right. oh, it just happened, let's talk about it now. Right, right. You know, because we, we record week to week, and I don't know if people understand that, like, I come home on a Monday You've wrote everything out between Sunday night and Monday morning. I I don't know the case. And typically, unless I've heard of it in some weird way, I, I don't know what's going on. And so, you know, we we just hear it, the calls from your dead family. We want to give our condolences to those families and and just let it be known that our sympathy is with them. I'm not going with thoughts and prayers because thoughts and prayers do nothing. I mean, they do heavy, and they heavy, don't heavy, at the heavy. same time. You know, it it is heavy. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's so heavy. I, we will get back into the happy joy, but I just, I wanted to address that. I don't want it to look like we're cold-hearted sure. and we don't look at stuff like that. We do. Totally understandable. But on a lighter note. Yeah, bring this whole mood back up because I did just <laughs> kill the whole vibe and I'm really sorry. But, you know. How about some shout outs? I love shout outs. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out to Charlie B, Nicole W, and David T. Thank you guys so much for being listeners of Call Us When You're Dead. All right, so now that I've made everybody think of really sad things, Ryan, where are we going today? We are heading to Florida. Ooh, I love Florida. I know. There's Just so don't much. touch a porcupine. <laughs> or steal a horse. Co- correct. Or be a man and wear a woman's dress. Correct. I know I mean, it's correct because I just listened to that episode again the other day. Because well, I want to say it was like they couldn't have straps or something. Right. It has to have shoulders. Oh, it has to have shoulders. If it's a strapless dress, go into prison. <laughs> naughty, naughty. So, we are going to be starting, as mentioned earlier, it's a two-parter. Woohoo! And we're going to start with Melissa Dome. Okay. And, Hello, Melissa. <laughs> and we'll let you know who the other one is in the next story. Okay. But they're related. I mean, not like physically, but uh, you'll see how they connect. Okay. So I know we normally discuss some background on either our survivor or our perp. However, there isn't too much detail on the history of either. Either? 
Either. Either, either. I think it's either. We're talking about people. There's no background. How about that? Oh, okay. (laughs) So, yeah, sadly, there will be no dating profiles. Oh, damn. About the scumbag. Oh. I, I know it's fun. No, no touching hookers. No, no badminton touching hookers. Uh, Being a pimp, pimp teacher. Um, <laughs> if you have no idea what the hell we're talking about, please go back to episodes. Go back to episodes. So, two main episodes, I should say. Right, right. So we're just gonna jump right into it. Alrighty. So, callers, we are going to be traveling back to 2010, give or take a few months. As we mentioned just a second ago, we are heading to Florida. Woo. More specifically, Clearwater, Florida. Here, we meet Melissa Dome and Robert Burton. They were young in love, or what they thought was love. Melissa thought he was the most perfect man in the world. But as she was getting ready to graduate high school, things took a terrible change. Oh, the the funds of high school love. love. Oh, they're my first. I'll never forget them. I... Remember very few people from my high school (laughs) and people that I dated after that. And, you know, because high school doesn't last. No, it does not. It lasts for four years. I mean, for some special, it might be five. I don't look at me. I'm I'm just just saying. You glanced at me (laughs) like I took five years. I could have graduated in three and a half if I wanted to. I wasn't looking at you for mm-hmm. that reason. I was referring to maybe Robert was one of those five, oh, five, yeah, super senior awesomeness okay. losers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take I'll take the finger pointy judgment up for ten thousand. <laughs> so Robert became a big old jelly piece of shit. His jealousness would lead him to being a hothead. Wait, so he was mad because she graduated before him? Is that what we're really going with? No, he, oh, okay. he was just a guy who was just jealous of fucking everything. Oh, okay. I thought you were meaning it like there was actual context to that whole thing prior. I mean, there maybe could've he could have been. Absolutely. Okay. Sure, okay. why not? Sorry, I was like, well, maybe I missed something here. He became controlling verbally and emotionally abusive. Red flags all over. Right. Then it would later become physical abuse. Sadly, Melissa constantly turned a blind eye because she didn't know any better, and it had been going on for a couple years, so she felt trapped. So, right here, callers, is going to be a perfect example for me to bring up something that my grandmother actually brought up when she was over the other day. So, in any situation or, like, relationship, you can put everybody on a 10 scale to the right or a 10 scale to the left. On the right side, you're going to have abusers. Sometimes that abuse goes as far as murder. On the left side, you have people on their tens that are doormats. I I mean, I don't mean that in a mean way, but they would let people walk over them, manipulate them, do whatever. And in a healthy relationship, you always want to be as close to zero as possible, where there's always give and take. Sometimes you hear it a two or a three. It doesn't, you know... There's things to work on, just like every relationship. But this is sounding a lot like Melissa's at the 10 on the left and Robert's the 10 on the right. Uh, yeah. But again, callers, we are not licensed psychiatrists, not. therapists, but we have opinions. So, right, but it. this does this does come from a licensed psychologist, you know, so I'm, right. I'm using their example for something that is from a licensed person in this moment. Robert would constantly threaten Melissa 
telling her that if she left him or told anybody about the abuse, he would kill her, her family, and then himself. Classic. Sounds like my grandfather. (laughs) Eventually, Melissa would start calling BS on his threats. Kudos to her for that. Damn straight, girl. You do the damn thing. But it made Robert step up his threats. He would start using different weapons and objects to prove he was serious. Yikes. What kind of weapons is this man using? Do you remember? I mean, if you don't, that's fine. No, I do not recall. You need an attorney. <laughs> yeah, no, he did. Uh, the article just noted that he, he began using objects to make his threats more believable, I guess. That is crazy. Yeah, he, he was a psycho. I'm just saying, you get one chance. You personally, you come at me one time or something, I'm beating the hell out of you <laughs> with that cast iron skillet. Right. I'm not victim blaming her. I'm just telling you what I would do in that situation because I am a hard-headed bastard. <laughs> now in late 2011, during one courageous night, Melissa was presented with the opportunity to run and get out. Good girl. Run, run, right. run, run. And thankfully she did. She ran and ran, eventually calling the police. I mean, it's about time, but yay, she did She did get there. Right. You Sometimes you have to get to that point in your life right. where you... It's hard. It's hard. It is. Uh, Robert was arrested and charged with domestic battery. After doing some research, it turns out that he didn't do much, if any, jail time for this charge. See, and I don't understand that. Like, I know. There's no protection for her at this point. There's no, there's nothing. Like, you're setting it up for somebody, you know, right, for right. you to get hurt. Setting up for some bad news bears. Right, exactly. Which is why I feel like this next paragraph is going to be exactly that. Yeah. All right, callers, let's for- fast forward a few months to January 24th, 2012. By this time, Robert had been calling Melissa nonstop. Eventually, she answered the call. I'm assuming in her mind to tell him to fuck off and to leave her alone, but that's not what happened. Robert was crying like the little bitch we all know he is, begging and pleading with Melissa to see her one last time. All he wanted was one last hug, a final hug before saying goodbye forever. Holy shit, the red flags in that. Oh my goodness, I know. And there had to have been so much manipulation because you've gotten out. Extreme manipulation. Like, I... And it's... it's Man, Melissa, I just wish I knew you personally because <laughs> I want to hug you. I have seen this manipulation firsthand done to people, and it never got to this level of, like, what we're going to get into, but holy hell, I know this. Right. Reading it, and I'm sure, callers, you listening to it, it just sounds so ridiculous that she would actually do it. But you also got to realize, after years of the manipulation and, and twisting and turning, and it's just, I could I could see why. You, you actually almost lived something like this. Right? You know, not to get too personal for you know everybody but like your ex and you he manipulated you a we lot were toxic. He, he did it with the animals like he knew those that was the one thing right that he could manipulate you with and you finally had to break away from that so i feel like i feel even worse almost for you in reading this because i know this has got to be bringing you back to something that oh, sure. you know where you feel for her absolutely 
So we're assuming Melissa loved the sound of the goodbye forever for exactly. the simple price tag of a hug. Right. Yeah. And especially because it costs no money. Right. <laughs> so she agreed. She walked outside where he already was waiting for her. His arms wide open. She reluctantly goes in for that hug. As they hung, Melissa recalls she heard, and I quote, a click sound. That click sound was Robert opening his switchblade knife behind her head. Then that's when the brutal attack began. Roughly two, maybe three inches. No, not Robert's pecker. That would be too big. But the blade size of the switchblade he had, it's not massive, but it's definitely going to do some damage. Melissa ends up being stabbed a total of 32 times. 13 defensive stab wounds, meaning cuts to her hands and arms, and she tried to fight off the attack. And the other 19 stab wounds were to her head, neck, and face. Luckily, two nearby teens heard Melissa screaming. They shouted and called 911, which caused Robert to flee. Wow. Right. I Bravo to those teens <laughs> for going, ooh, that sounds like somebody is panicking and in trouble. Right. Let me do the logical thing and call 911. All you callers out there, if you are ever out into a situation and you hear somebody screaming, be nosy at that point. It don't matter. The, right. You don't have to get involved. You don't, be don't, nosy. Don't ever get yourself involved where you're going to get in danger. Poke your head around. Be nosy. <laughs> and if it ain't stopping, if you like say something like, hey, knock it the fuck off, and that person isn't, and you feel like, oh, there's some shit going on, be these teenagers, call the cops. Just be like, hey, knock it the fuck off. And when they keep going, be like, I'm calling the fucking cops, you loser. It don't matter if it's a male or a female. Call them a loser and tell them to call the cops. Absolutely. Stabbed 32 times, 13 defensive wounds. So she fought hard. She fought hard and still had 19 stab wounds to her head, neck, and face. Like, I know how bad a paper cut hurts. Right. I could never imagine being stabbed in the face. And I I knew somebody that was stabbed in the face with a pair of scissors. Oh. Yeah. So we're going to sidetrack here really quick. A girl that was two grades below me, I was best, I was really good friends with her sister. And all of a sudden, Another student who was special needs. He was really in love with another girl, and she, being a teenage girl, just kind of, you know, blew it off. And he got mad and found a pair of scissors, and Ashley was there next to that girl. And the boy lunged, and Ashley fell back, and he stabbed her twice, got her twice, both by her eye, and then one all the way down her face to, like, her chin bone. Oh, geez. And then they, to get rid of the scar, they took it, took her mom and I all went up to U of M months later, and they were able to make such a small, uh, maybe it wasn't U of M, maybe it was uh, Grand Rapids area. Either way, they were able to make such a small thing that now it just looks like she's got a piece of hair stuck to her. It, it's amazing what they been were able to do. Right. And it's like, that's only two, two stabs. Yeah, and, and it was bad. Melissa was stabbed 19 times. Yeah, I, I could not imagine that. Ugh. Somehow, 
when the first responders arrived on the scene, Melissa was able to identify herself and who her attacker was despite hemorrhaging from the cut arteries in her neck. Oh my god, so he was really going for it. Like he oh, knew where yeah. he was trying to go. He 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 was trying to kill her. He right, knew this he is, wanted this, to kill her. This sounds like he like plotted it. Yes, 110%. She was then airlifted to the hospital where she flatlined a couple times. So she like she died and came back to life. Right. Crazy. She suffered a stroke in her cerebellum. She had a fractured skull, broken nose, and a busted jaw with missing teeth. So he clearly not only he stabbed punched her, her he too. Beat, yeah, he he pounded on her face. It just had to have been a bloody mess. Right. And for her to be able to fight off 13 of those, because I could imagine just like the sheer adrenaline at that point right. that's coming over you. Man. Right, right. Melissa also had facial paralysis, a stabbed larynx, and was severely beaten. Then, to top it all off, one of the craziest things of all that I felt, she received 12 units of blood. Do we know Do you, how much is a unit? I'm glad you asked. Oh, I didn't even see that next thing. Yeah, I really I honestly wanted to know. Uh, a unit of blood is about a pint, and the average adult has about 9 to 12 pints of blood in their body. Oh, so she literally like lost all the all blood, blood, blood in her body. Well, obviously not at once because she would not have survived, but just from bleeding out. Holy hell! She pretty much replaced every drop of blood in her body. She said, "You know what? Give me that good blood." <laughs> all right, I'm gonna be Superwoman. I'm gonna whoop some more ass. <laughs> so Robert McDumpsterfire attempted suicide when he drove off. Jesus, why didn't he succeed? <laughs> he ended up taking several sleeping pills. Really, you're going to go out the pussy way? P- sleeping pill? You want to go take right. a nippity nap? You need a nap? And you need to go to hell. He was found three hours later, slumped over the steering wheel of his car, but not before running into the side of a store. So not only were you the world's biggest douche, but then you caused an insurance issue for somebody else. Yep. God, I hope that store owner ripped his ass out of that car and beat him. <laughs> he had some luck on his side as well. He survived his attempt at taking his own life, which is slightly funny. He just sucks at taking lives. He couldn't kill Melissa, and he couldn't kill himself. Shocker. Right. This killer wannabe took a plea deal consisting of life in prison with no possibility of parole. I hope you get stabbed in prison. I, I agree with that. For real. Sta- I, stabbed about 19 times in the face. As you can tell, I'm in a real joyful mood. Clearly. clearly. <laughs> so, now on to one of Keith's favorite parts. Yay! Are we going to find out what she's doing? Because I love knowing what they're doing. Yeah, what is she up to nowadays? Since the attack, Melissa had undergone multiple surgeries, scar revisions, dental implants, and facial procedures. Which seems... Legit. Understandable. She had to relearn how to walk, talk, write, eat, and even close her eyes. Could you imagine having to go through all that? Nope. I mean, there was a point in your life where we had to kind of reteach you how to walk, you know, after your back surgery, and that was hard. Right. Those were... And that's just one thing. It's essentially, she was uh, an adult, being a newborn baby, needing to relearn how to do all that. Oh my goodness. Man, somebody find me Melissa's address. I'm going to go give her a hug. (laughs) The time in the hospital allowed Melissa to catch up on her studies. 
Not only did she graduate on time, but she also took the backpacking trip to Europe that she had been planning before the attack. Melissa credits another domestic violence survivor, Audrey Mabry, with helping her come to terms with what happened. And... On that note, that is who our part two story is. Yay! We are going to cover Audrey Mabry's survival story. Yeah, I was really going with uh, how are these two connected? Like, right. you've not brought up her name yet, so... And there it is. That's how they're connected. Yay! That, see, I love when it's either other people... Are, I'm not even going to say women helping women. When other people just help other people with something that you've been through, like in that community that you can go to and say, this is what... This horrible fucking thing happened to me, and I just need support. And Audrey is there for her. Right. And that just seems to be a lot of the times you don't get things like that, and I wish there was more of it. Right. Melissa is now working as an advocate against domestic violence for a local nonprofit called Hands Across the Bay. One last thing. A perfect ending to the story. Story. Oh my gosh, I just said story. Earlier, we mentioned something about the first responders, and even though she was practically bleeding out, she was still able to name her attacker. Well, one of those first responders' names is Cameron Hill. They eventually began dating, and he proposed to her on May 11th, 2015. They were married in March 2017. That's so beautiful. I know, isn't that a cute ending? Got me all (laughs) teary-eyed. The end. Finn. (laughs) not really i mean i'm sure she's doing wonderful things with her domestics out you know with her advocacy and right so i i have a few questions with this sure i'll do my best how old is she is she right out of high school because this said that she went on to do her studies and graduate has she even graduated yet yeah okay graduated so i i guess i just was misunderstanding what that was but clearly it was her going on to graduate from college. I thought maybe we went back in that time machine and we missed up our own dates and I did not want to do that. Oh, I hope not. Because it would have been even more tragic if she was just in high school. It's tragic regardless, right. but it just makes me think of Ashley Reeves all over again. Right, right. Know, being 17. Before we go on to part two, let's take a little break from for a word from our sponsor. Callers, are you looking for better insurance from home and auto to all other types? Call our friend Andy at 616-777-3202 for all your insurance needs. Let Andy from Shield Insurance help you save money like he helped us save money. Don't want to call? Text him. Text the phrase, call us dead to Andy again at 616-777-3202. Let him know that the Call Us When You're Dead podcast family sent you. Why not be like the cool kids and save that money? Call Andy now. Now back to the episode. So, Ryan, who is Audrey then? Audrey Mabry. You know, from the last story, helped her come to terms with what happened. Yeah. So, let's take another little time travel trip. Ooh, I love going back. (laughs) We are heading back to 2003. Oh, man, we're going to have to really get some gas for this one. Oh, God. We could barely make it to 10 minutes ago with gas prices. Right. <laughs> oh, I went to go fill up, and it was four ninety nine. And when I hit four gallons and it said 20, I thought, somebody's fucking lying to me. I would have puked. Uh, yeah, it's probably a good thing you went there. 
So at this time, Audrey is 20 years old. And she just moved to New York City from Killeen, Texas. Killeen is about halfway between Waco and Austin. Oh, I don't like that it's called Killeen. Mm-hmm, Especially right. callers, because you may clearly you cannot see how this is spelled. It's K-I-L-L-E-E-N. Killeen. <laughs> so that bodes real well for those people there. Right. So, the reason Audrey moved to New York City... Sorry, I gotta make more jokes about this town. Okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, when they got there, when the original settlers, settlers were there, and they were like, how are we gonna name this town? And somebody was like, Killeen! <laughs> were they, like, trying to murder somebody? Right, yeah. It was probably, we had to do a lot of Killeen to get here, so how about Killeen? yeah. <laughs> I, I have really bad intrusive thoughts this day. <laughs> and they just don't go away. Anyways. Oh, yes. Anyway, let's get back to Audrey. So the reason she moved to New York City was a man, or love, depending on when you asked her. Oh, God. Don't ever... M- oh, I can't say don't ever move because I'm a man. I did it for you. Yes, you did. You're guilty. I am very guilty. I'm sure you didn't turn out to be the piece of shit this dude's about ready to turn into. No, I did not. Okay. So, she met 38-year-old Chris Haney. Oh, God, I just don't even like his name. (laughs) And it only took six months for him to convince her to make the move to the Big Apple. So, want to point out, again, don't want to yuck anyone's yum, but she's 20 and he's 38. We're going to move on past that because you might make people mad. I'm just saying, it's a little weird dating someone twice your age. Listen, just because you can look at somebody and say, are you baking my future wife in your belly, doesn't mean Ooh, that you get to come at weird. them like that. I, I don't, golly, who the fuck would say that? <laughs> my mom has said that when a whole situation like this was going on to somebody else, and I about fell out of my chair. I believe it. Hopefully it didn't end the same way this one's gonna. Oh, I don't think it did, but you'll have to ask her sometime about how that whole thing went down. It's quite hilarious. So, callers, we are going to fast forward a little to 2009. By this time, you know, we we could go back into this time machine. We go and fast forward. We gotta get our miles worth. Right. By this time, Chris and Audrey are married, living in Florida, and had two kids, both boys. Every time I see Audrey, I just want to be like, Audrey, too. <laughs> so, sounds like a perfect little family, though, yeah? Mm-hmm. Mr. Mushnick, Mr. Mushnick. <laughs> <laughs> Things started to go south. Jealousy peppered their relationship, and it was coming and going from both sides. Audrey wanted to do something for herself, so she said she decided to take some college courses. However, Chris wasn't having it. He wanted her to be a stay-at-home mom to the kids. Chris started to pull away a little bit, and this causes Audrey to think Chris is having an affair. That seems all right. Yep. He also came across as a territorial and very protective over Audrey. This led to many accusations of cheating from Chris as well. As I'm sure you can tell, they are becoming too toxic for each other. For 100. sure. It's not just from one end. Right, they this were, is a both sides or right. tit for tat on you cheating hoe, no, you're a cheating bastard. Exactly. 
You can tell it's going to be bad. Right. It's like they've lit the fuse and you are just watching a, a bomb oh, get ready right. to blow up. And it does. Why don't you tell me about it? Well, this led to Audrey asking for a divorce after a short marriage. Do you blame her? Nope. However, she had no money to move out because Chris... Has taken all of her finances. Chris wouldn't let her get a job. Right. The whole I'm protective is just another way of saying, let me be controlling of everything you do. So Chris, being the nice guy he thought he was would allow Audrey and the kids to continue to stay at the house until she had enough money saved up to move out. Oh, how fucking nice of you, dude, to allow your ex-wife, the mother of your children, to continue to have a roof over her head after you have manipulated a situation. Oh, God, I hate manipulators. (laughs) Don't manipulate people. Do y'all hear me? I know you can. That spike is super high, and I need it to stay low because I get too loud. Stop manipulating people. Well, (laughs) damn. No, okay. So that day eventually came where she had enough money saved up and she got an apartment. She packed her stuff, gathered the kids, and said deuces. Good. Right. She she made the made took the big step, got the hell out of there. She should have pulled a damn idea and cut everything (laughs) in that house in half. You want this half, you want this half. Because everything that you have in this house is because of me. I hate when people are like, I do all the work, blah, 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 blah. You know, you and I are in a situation right now where you're at home and I'm working. Yes, I'm working, but you are also having to, at the best you can, maintain a home. That doesn't get done without you. Right. You know, and yes, I understand there are days it doesn't happen. And yes, that's frustrating. That's a whole other freaking thing. But she is raising kids. She is feeding your ass when you get home from work. Right. She is cooking and cleaning and doing the damn thing. And you think you're going to keep everything from her? Oh, mm-mm. nope, nope. If any of you find yourself in that situation, you take a damn axe, you take a chainsaw, <laughs> cut that shit in half. Cut the whole house right down the motherfucking middle. Because what's he going to do? You got the chainsaw. He ain't coming at you. Right. Now let's head to November 17th, 2009. Audrey dropped off the kids at a babysitter so she could go to school later that day. You know, that's nice that she had a babysitter. Right. She had to stop at Chris's house to grab some more of her things. Which makes sense. She was trying to move out. Right. So this is where it gets a little strange and blurry. I tried to decode it as much as I could. Maybe we'll talk it out and figure it out. Okay. So, while there, she felt like she wanted to go for a jog. Again, not sure why. Maybe just reminiscing or something. Okay. I mean, like, maybe he's not at the door. Right. You know, because yeah, if she's she given home, her key to he, him, he, you know, maybe she's being polite. I'm going to give you my key. I'm, I'm going to meet you at a certain time. Right. And, and Chris wasn't home. So, right. maybe she just was like, oh, I'm going to. I'll like, go for a walk. Feel like home. Yeah. You know. Anyways, as she returned from the jog went inside and was confronted by a naked Chris standing there holding a butcher's knife. Why are you naked, number one? <laughs> and number two, why, you gonna lob your ween off? Like, is oh, she about man. ready to see ween lobbing? Ween lobbing. Just, that sounds like a sport of the, our, our profile guy that we had a little. He 100% would he, have. He was a ween lobber. He was a ween lobber. <laughs> Men, their assholes are just all ween lobbers. Oh, man. He charged at her and forced her into the garage. He attempted to do the terrible awful to her, and then 
he told Audrey that he was going to call an ex-boyfriend of hers so he could listen as he killed her. What sick, sadistic shit is that? That's why he's naked, because he's thinking of fucking killing her and he doesn't want the DNA evidence all over him. Probably. And he, he is one sick motherfucker. Chris keeps accusing Audrey of cheating on him. He keeps saying that he wanted to know who the real father was of their firstborn. Audrey knew that the kids were Chris's and continues to tell him that. Chris, you need to go to the Maury show? Right. And the DNA test says you are 99.9% the father. Right. Uh, I don't understand. Like, you keep asking and accusing and she keeps telling you the same answers. It's because he's crazy. He's crazy, but it's because it's the fucking truth. Right. You know, just... you could ask a damn question. You know, it's like when we see investigators who are like, I know you did this, bah, 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 and get the forced confession. Dude, eventually, yeah, she'll confess to anything you want so she can keep her fucking life. But, like, if the answer has been the same three or four times at this point, guess what? You're the daddy. <laughs> exactly. He eventually puts the knife down, but it was only to pick up a hammer. He smashed her four times in the head with it twice on each side, noticing that didn't kill her and wanting to cause as much harm to her as possible. He doused her with gasoline, lit a candle, and tossed it. Shockingly, Audrey was conscious through all of this. Wow. Nope, 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 nope. God, I would rather be dead. Is that not nuts? That is crazy. Holy fuckity fuck. My my number one fear is drowning. My number two fear is being lit on fire. And if I had to take a choice of both, one or the other, I'm choosing neither. <laughs> like, every, hands down, every time, neither. All right. I mean, I guess I would vote for them at the same time, so then I'd be in the water and put the fire out. Right. <laughs> Amazingly, while on fire, Audrey managed to pull up the garage door. A neighbor seen her and sprang into action. What a good neighbor. You are telling me this woman has been beat in the head four times. Yep. Has had gasoline thrown on her. Yep. She has been turned into a human fucking candle. And she said, fuck you, motherfucker. I'm getting up and I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yes. Holy. (laughs) Bravo. Girl, somebody better buy you a glass of wine the rest of your life. When your children want something, they better be rubbing your feet every (laughs) fucking time that you ask. You better not ever have to lift another motherfucking hand in your life for or a damn thing. Right. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. The adrenaline had to been pumping. Oh. So that neighbor sprang into action and helped put out the flames, got her into a shower, and called 911. Oh, I feel like that was probably the worst thing right there is he put her into a shower. Yeah, probably. Because that probably at that point is now going to expose all of your burns. Yeah. To, you know, well, the you gotta also because think, they've all been burnt at that point. You also got to think, though, person seen fire and this person's on fire. What the fuck right, do you, you do? You're just trying to handle the situation. Right. So, I guess. I I don't blame her. If we have any callers out there that are paramedics or something like that, that deal with burn wounds, please write us. I want to know 
is this more dangerous at this point to go in and give that person a shower? And, and I'm not saying because I want to know for personal experience. I want to know, say something did ever happen to me and my husband and I needed to do something. Is it worse for me to put myself in the shower or put you in the shower? Or would it be better to pat you out and then get well, you Well, you also got to remember uh, there was gasoline involved. So you may not be able to pat that out. And there may yeah, not have been a hose. Because I'm not saying like, oh, yeah. And then he, he washed her hair and right. no, was I, I, I don't the think that and at water all. on. It could have been for a second just to get the flames finally put out. Right, right. So as she was airlifted to uh, Tampa General Hospital, a paramedic commented, quote, her skin hung from her face and arms as though it had melted. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? That's just nuts. No, and I don't want to imagine that because I feel like that is something that you would see in your nightmares. True story. Like, I, I, I'm not trying to be mean to her at this point, but I would feel like if I saw myself like that, I would be like, holy shit, I look like a monster from a horror movie. Right, yeah. You know, that just that breaks my heart. Yeah, I do. I do recall seeing during the research that she she commented when she looked in the mirror, she felt like she looked like Freddy Krueger. You know, what? this is kind of coming back to me a little bit. Like maybe I've seen bits and pieces of something about this yep. where maybe that same where I heard her make that comment before. And I thought, oh, my God, I couldn't imagine living like that. Right. Is she the one that didn't want to see the mirror right away? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. Meanwhile, a separate fire had been set in the house. A worker that was measuring property lines in the neighborhood spotted Chris amid the flames and helped pull him to safety. You should have just left him. Bad worker. Right. You're not being a good citizen at that point. How dare you save someone's life from a fire? You you saved the wrong one. (laughs) Chris's first words once out of the fire were, quote, did I kill the bitch? That is when you, as a worker... Escort him back to the fire? Put him back into the pyre. I'm not even going to call it a fire at that point. (laughs) It was up in flames. Put him back into the pyre, close the door, tell him to have a good day. Exactly. Audrey suffered from second and third degree burns on over 80% of her body. She was put into a medically induced coma for six weeks. Thank you, Jesus, because that would be the one thing that I would want the most. Please knock me the fuck out. Right. Yes. There would be years of extensive extensive and painful reconstruction surgery and therapy. Still, she will never fully recover from the sadistic attack and will always carry the many physical and mental scars. Yeah. Right. That, that That is something that she will have to see every day because of somebody else's actions. 80% of her body for second and third degree I, burns. I can't believe that she lived. And that's right. because typically you hear those stories of like, oh, this person was only burned on 30% of their body. But that puts you in just that a shock. amount of shock yeah, that it yeah. kills you. And this is after being hit in the head with a hammer twice on your side. Right. Just not then getting up. And lifting up a garage door. It's not like she reached up and pushed a button. She physically picked that bitch up and said, goodbye, garage door. Right. And then yelled for somebody to fucking help her. And somebody saw it. Whoa. She was doing the most with the least. Right. Just to keep herself alive. And you know that had to go to my kids are at the daycare. 
Yeah, yep. It's just crazy what adrenaline can do. I kind of want to make a joke, but I know it's going to be inappropriate. I'm going to do it anyways. Y'all laugh long. She could have also thought, my kids are at the daycare. That overtime is a motherfucker. <laughs> I cannot leave them there. I ain't got that, that kind of money. True story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I had to find some kind of funny in this because that is fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I just, I because you watch stuff when I'm gone and I'll come home and I'll see stuff. I want to say I only saw just bits and pieces of that on a day that I was getting around for work. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned uh, wanting to bring some funny. I can tell you about the trial. Oh, good. Can I take guesses? Can we over under these guesses? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. So does he possibly plead insanity? He does not. No. Okay. You, you would think he fucking um, would. Does he say God told him to do it? No. No. He does not. Were there any kind of voices? Other than other than his own. No. Oh, okay. Um, I get two more guesses. Two more guesses. Did he try to defend himself? Like, was he his own attorney? That's a good question, but I do not believe he did. Oh, okay. Um, did he go with he he ha ha? I did it for the lols. <laughs> he did not. Okay, well. I'm sure me and the rest of the callers are curious. What did he do? This moron claimed self-defense. Oh, you know, I thought about that one, and I thought there's no way that he's going to try to claim self-defense. But then I was like, oh, we had, now I'm forgetting her name, the, the case from the week prior. Ashley? No, Ashley Reeves, and then who did we have after? Slender. Slender. And then oh, Terry. Terry. Okay, so sorry, we, we've done so many of these <laughs> that I start to like mix up which weeks we've done them. But, you know, Terry's ex-husband was like, she came at me with her pants off and I had to beat her in the back <laughs> of the head and it was self-defense. Right, right. And I didn't think he'd be dumb enough to do that. Well, listen, listen to this, listen to how dumb this is, all right? Okay. Stating, and I'm, I'm loosely quoting here, she had been the one armed with the gasoline, and she tried to kill me. I kicked out at her, causing her to be engulfed in flames. Okay, so. Is that a fucking joke or what? You're telling me, dumbass, that she came at you with a gas can, you kicked at her, causing her to then be doused head to toe, <laughs> and then she became... The guy, the flame. The human torch? On her own. So at this because point. Because gasoline needs something to help combust it. Yeah, ignite it. Right, because that is science. So at this point, he probably should have gone with insanity. Or did he think that his kick was so powerful <laughs> that he kicked her? Causing a spark because he's that big of a man. That had to be it. That he was able to then light her on fire. That is almost as good as, I'm going to go outside and eat the sun. Because the sun gives me love and nutrients. There you go. That's the type of logic we're working with. Yeah. Okay. So, naturally, he asked for leniency in his sentencing, considering his years of service for the NYPD. You should be thrown into jail longer for your years of service. Because you should NYPD. know right from wrong. Right. 
So if if they wanted to, the judge could have sentenced him to the minimum and and given him that leniency. And what was the minimum? Uh, Twelve and a half years. And what did he get? The, his his leniency that the judge felt he deserved was life in prison for attempted murder. Way to go, judge! Plus thirty years for arson. Plus Ooh. another thirty years for aggravated battery. Not only did that judge say so life plus fuck sixty, you, that judge said fuck you, fuck your cow, fuck <laughs> your whole family. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan, I I just have to know what is Audrey doing now? Well, now she is actually president of the and on the board of a nonprofit called Break the Silence, and that's an organization that advocates against domestic violence. Awesome. And as we mentioned earlier, she ended up helping Melissa Dome come to terms with what had happened to her. That is amazing. So, do Melissa and Audrey just almost work together now because they're both advocates for right. the situation? Yeah, they both work for their own or own different organizations. But I'm sure they confer. But yeah, yeah, they have met each other and they know who who they are, each other are and and uh Audrey's been a big help to Melissa and and helping her get through it all. I just I want to meet Audrey and I want to meet Melissa. I just all of these survivors, I would love to just meet them one day and just let them know that they're loved. I know that they know they're loved, but just that your stories truly just do touch people. Right, right. For making it through some of the worst odds. Right. And Audrey is now living in Colorado Springs, where she's raising her two kids with a new husband. I love when they have, like, kids. I know that Shardy had kids, but, like... It's the same two kids. Right. She didn't leave the other ones at the babysitter? Right. No, she... She, <laughs> she decided, fuck it, I'll pay the bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or did the babysitter say, you know... You've been through enough shit? I'll give you a pass just this <laughs> once, Audrey. Right. But if you ever do shit like this again, it will be a $500 fee. <laughs> so, as always here at the Calls When You're Dead podcast studio family, we give out numbers. And because this case involved domestic violence, we are going to be giving out that number. So, if you or anyone you know is in that situation and need help, call the National Hotline for Domestic Violence at 800 Again, that is 800-799-SAFE. There was also reference to suicide. If you or someone you know is thinking about hurting themselves, let them know help is available. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 or call their brand new three-digit number at 988 and that will put you in contact with a suicide prevention lifeline counselor in your area. So, there you have it. A little two-parter, and they were connected. I love that they were connected, but right. man, I'm so happy you did Audrey's last, just because that that is a visual that I'm not going to be able to get out of my head for a while. Well, and again, as, as I think I mentioned earlier after doing Melissa's story... I felt like it just wasn't enough. And she said that I feel this like it's other almost survivor to Melissa to not bring Audrey's story in with hers. Right. Right. Because Melissa wouldn't be able to do the things that she was doing now if she didn't have that community. Right. And and that and that support group, yeah. Right. They are two powerful women and, and teamed up, they're even more powerful. They right. They need a damn award. 
They need an award show just for these two women of how badass they were. True story. All of these women that we, because we have covered a woman every single time with our survivors so far. They all need awards of look at us do the damn thing. Exactly. But with that said, next week, we got a couple guy survivors. Do we really? We do. Wow. I feel like it's almost really uncommon to hear male survivors. I mean, yeah, it may be uncommon, but I think it's just as common. I was rock climbing, are you? No, no, no. Okay. I think it's just as common, but I think it's more uncommon for a male to tell their story. Right. Because it shows weakness. Right. Right. Kind of like, you know, being a victim of sexual abuse. You, as a male, don't always like to talk about that. Exactly. And it's a pride thing for guys and... Understandable, mm-hmm. but that's that's probably why there are more women survivor stories than male survivor stories. Because I think right. next week is going to be our only ones that involve uh, guy survivors. Okay. Well, with that note, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. Giving us those five stars. Give us those five stars. Also, don't forget to follow us on the socials, facebook.com slash dead, Or you can follow us on TikTok at Call Us When Dead, where you can see some fun videos of us, or better yet, our big kitty Dracaris, who I had a kick out of my chair today because she loves to set my chair while I'm not in it. <laughs> the Sugar Gliders, who I just checked on, Emma and Regina, they were doing their little nippy naps, but not the type that make you want to murder. <laughs> and or, of course, our sweet, lovable dogs, Lola and Bailey, because Lola is my biggest protector. She is constantly here. Right. Literally, Bodyguard. she's in the room with us right now. <laughs> Even Grandma made a comment about that. Like, she she just has to be near me. She does. She does. Or you can email us at callusdead at Yahoo to tell us what you thought about this case, ask us questions, suggest some other cases, or just say hi. But until then, remember to stay strong. Do everything with love. No, there's always hope. And if you forget, you can always call, call us when, when you're, you're dead. dead.